Welcome to episode number 56 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast, Fur Farms, Saving Foxes with Nicole Navarro. So uh, it's been really interesting to see the contrast of them being able to grow up being exactly who they were born to be as opposed mm-hmm. to the four adults, you know, that missed out on childhood, basically. That was Nicole from Positive Beginnings, a fur farm rescue located in Key Largo, Florida, that provides safe and permanent homes to foxes that have been saved from the fur trade. So I don't know if this will come as a surprise to you, but the fur trade is alive and thriving in the United States, despite the work of many, many people to try to bring a stop to it. And also despite the fact that many other countries have banned fur farms. Examples are the UK, Austria, and the Netherlands. Uh, France and Ireland and Norway have all committed to banning them and phasing them out. But here in the US, we have over 400 alive and thriving fur farms. And they have animals, everything from foxes to minks to bobcats, basically any fur that people will purchase. So I met Nicole back in the spring through Kristen Burford, who was on the podcast. Uh, She runs Care Foundation, which is located in Central Florida, and she was on episodes 29 and 30. If you haven't heard her episodes, I definitely recommend going back and listening. It's a really fun uh, way to get to know what life is like on a rescue with many, many, many exotic pets. So uh, Kristen, one of the main things that she brought up in her interview was that we can all make a huge difference by boycotting the fur industry. And she brought up the fact that it's not only about wearing fur coats, but it's about fur that is found in a lot of kind of hidden places, such as our makeup brushes or fake eyelashes. There's a lot of places that fur actually pops up. And so we can just be a little more careful and look into what's being used to make the items we're buying and say no. Uh, So she said she had learned all of this kind of new stuff from Nicole, who runs Positive Beginnings. And so I started following her on Instagram. She's at positive underscore beginnings underscore Inc. on Instagram. And it is such a cute feed to follow. So she rescues these foxes and we get to see what their lives are like living there with her. And we get to learn about the fur trade at the same time. So I definitely recommend hopping over there and following her. So she came on today to teach me about the fur industry and about what she does, and that's what you're going to hear in the interview. Our simple idea to take away from today is to boycott brands who still use fur. So not just boycott using fur, but boycott the brand as a whole. Because when we are giving them our money, we're supporting their continuing to Gosh, just perpetuate this cruel practice. Some of the brands at the top of the list when this episode aired is Louis Vuitton, Dolce & Gabbana, and Yves Saint Laurent. So those are three brands that are, as of the time this aired, still 
actively supporting and using the fur industry. As an alternative, there is a brand called Spirit Hoods that make gorgeous faux fur coats and robes, just so many different things. And they're an amazing company that Nicole brought up in the interview. And there's a link to them as well. So you can, if you love the look of fur, you can try out their faux fur uh, items instead of going for the real thing that is just very much perpetuating an absolutely cruel industry. So there are uh, links to lists of brands that are still actively using fur and lists of brands who have pledged against it so that you can decide, you know, uh, who you want to support. All of that's in the show notes. You can find them at foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 56. And in there, you'll also find the video of my interview with Nicole, which has a little look-see at the end of meeting some of her different foxes. So go check that out in the show notes for animalsworth.com slash podcast slash 56. Hi there, this is Brandy and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. I know that you grew up on a horse farm and you've been around animals your whole life, but foxes are somewhat new as of like 2018 and obviously your nonprofit is new. And so I wondered if you could just walk us through a bit of your story as it relates to animal welfare and then how you got to the point where you started and your you started positive beginnings and you're at where you are today. Okay. So yeah, like you said, I grew up on a 30 acre horse farm in Western Pennsylvania. So always surrounded by animals and our neighbor was actually the wildlife rehabilitator for our county. So I was always exposed to animals and learned to respect them from a very young age, Um, seeing her rehab them and then get released back into the wild. Um, And then, you know, our own animals, the horses, dogs, cats, et cetera, et cetera. So just having a immense amount of respect for animals from a very young age sort of led me up to this point um, where I am today. So I won't go through all almost 41 years of my life, but that's where the roots were planted and where my passion was definitely born. So I guess fast forward, (laughs) since we don't have a lot of time. Um, In 2017, I was living in Key West, Florida, and I was working at the Hemingway home down there and they are famous for their six-toed cats because Ernest Hemingway loved cats and you know one of the first cats he ever got from a captain that came into port in Key West was a six-toed cat so I was living in Key West and working there and then Hurricane Irma happened so one of the largest hurricanes to ever make landfall in the Florida well one of the largest named hurricanes to ever make landfall in the Florida And working at the Hemingway home, 10 of us decided to stay and care for the cats. So we went through 
the thick of the storm, brought all the cats inside to make sure they were safe, uh, cleaned up after the storm. You know, we didn't have power for, I think, two weeks. So we were living off generator, using generator to take showers. And um, this will lead me into the next. So also in Key West, there is a facility at our county jail, which is on Stock Island which is also considered Key West. And underneath the jail is a USDA-regulated zoo. So um, inmates care for all the animals. They have sloths, uh, lemurs, kinkajous, goats, pigs, miniature horses, a zebu, a cotamundi. So they call it the Monroe County Sheriff's Office Animal Farm, but literally what it is, is a USDA-regulated zoo and the only one in the world of its kind at a detention facility. And since I was living in Key West, I would always ask if I could volunteer there just to sort of be close to animals. And the answer was always no, because of the inmates. You know, they didn't want a female volunteer working around male inmates. So I got it. Um, but after Hurricane Irma, I reached out to the woman that runs the animal farm because they had evacuated all of the inmates up to, uh, I think, West Palm Beach to a more secure facility because they weren't sure the damage that Hurricane Irma was going to do. So I reached out to her and finally she said, yes, come help. You know, we need because they had moved all of the animals from the farm up into the jail wow to protect them wow so the jail because of flooding and hurricanes sits 11 feet off the ground so underneath the jail is the farm so they brought all the animals up so she finally agreed to let me come help so you know i helped clean up um groom the horses because they were a mess just clean out enclosures get things organized and her and i just really hit it off and became extremely, extremely good friends to the point where I was then allowed to come back and volunteer, even though the inmates were down there, you know, under the agreement <laughs> that I don't communicate with them and they're told to stay away from me, which is fine. Um, then in uh, 2018, I had moved back up to Key Largo because my mother lives up here. Um, Hurricane Irma just took sort of an emotional toll on everyone that decided to stay and sort of went through it. So I was kind of at a point in my life where I was just down. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I was just kind of lost mentally. But I was still going down to volunteer at the farm almost every week, actually. And then in November of 2018, two foxes were surrendered down there. Uh, a private owner had had them actually right here in Key Largo. And she decided she, you know, wanted them to have a better life. So they went to the jail. And so this is the first time I had ever been around foxes. You know, growing up on a farm, you see them, you hear them, but they're just like there and gone. You mm -hmm. know, so I really had never had any personal experience with the species in general. So... I just became totally fascinated and infatuated of their personalities, their characteristic traits. And these two foxes were considered pets. One did come from a fur farm and the other one's origins were 
unknown. And uh, foxes are very sensitive creatures. So getting moved around a lot has has a lot of toll, takes its toll on them. So obviously they were very skittish, very untrustworthy. And something amazing happened week after week after week of me going there. You know, I developed this bond with these foxes, the female fox specifically. And it's like a light switch went off in my head because as I am creating this bond with these animals, I'm also learning about the horrors that still go on in the United States regarding fur farming. And during that time as well, I had reached out to some other fox rescues, which I didn't even know fox rescues exist. I knew fur farms existed, but the concept of being able to get one off a farm and rescue it was just like mind blowing to me. So I had reached out to some other fox rescues here in the United States, one in Florida specifically. So I started volunteering some time with her. She's up in Tampa. And, um, the more I was around them, it's like, you know, these light bulbs kept off, kept going off, kept going off. And so I decided that, yeah, one day I'm going to rescue, I'm going to rescue a fox. So just to be prepared, you know, I applied for my state permitting, which is required to own any exotic animal down here. So I got that and just, you know, tucked it away for safekeeping. And I was like, well, maybe I should, you know, start a business. Just, you know, just have it. So when I do start a rescue, so I did that and um, got the paperwork back on that, incorporated in the state of Florida. And then last year, when COVID really stopped the world dead in its tracks, um, I got laid off at my job down here. The Keys closed down. They had a, um, a barricade up at the county line. So if you didn't live here, you are not getting in here. And if you did not work here, you are not getting in here. And so the day I got laid off because we shut down, we're a tourist town. So with tourists not coming in, there's nothing to do. Um, sorry, that's one of the many animals. We I love have. it. <laughs> that's not a fox though, that's loudmouth Lucy. She's very vocal about her opinions on the UPS man out front. Um, <laughs> So um, literally the same day I got laid off, I got a text from Stacy, the woman that runs um, Fofer and friends and, and said, can you take two foxes off a fur farm? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have an income right now, but we're going to figure <laughs> we're going to figure this out. You know, we're going to figure it out. Um, and I wasn't a 501c3 yet, but because so many people on my personal Facebook page, because I hadn't even announced the business yet, had been following my journey with the foxes in Key West. You know, when I said that I have the opportunity to do this and I need help, um, the entire road trip to get them, their enclosure, everything was fully funded by people just donating. Wow. Um, Oh, knowing that's it, so amazing. Knowing it wasn't going to be a tax break because I wasn't even a 501c3 <laughs> yet. But, you know, everyone felt so passionately about it because I was passionate about it that they just got behind me 100%. Wow. 
So last April, I drove straight through from Key Largo to Ohio to pick up the first two foxes, Libby and Louie, um, fresh off the fur farm, fresh off the fur farm. They had to stay in Tampa with Stacy for a little bit because their enclosure wasn't even built yet. That's how fast this all happened. Um, so on May 3rd of last year, I officially welcomed them home. And the day after I brought them home, I got my IRS letter in the mail saying that we were 501c3. So wow. just, yeah, the universe was like, yep, this is what you're doing. You know, I've ha I've really had no major hiccups along the way. And so someone that's very dear to me always said, well, that means you're walking in purpose, you know, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. just walking in purpose, not on purpose. You are in purpose with what you are supposed to be doing. And I always love that. Um, and she reminds me of that often when I'm ripping out my hair because I have a full-time job and I'm a full-time fox mom. And she has to remind me of that when my, you know, steam's coming out of my ears. And then not long after that in June, uh, they reached out to me again, a rescue in Minnesota and said, can you take two more? And I was like, we're on a roll. Let's just do it. You know, let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, July 17th of last year, I met Michaela from Save a Fox Rescue up in Miami, and she had brought Jasper and Penny all the way from Minnesota. And um, that was extremely emotional because they were fresh, fresh off the fur farm. You know, Libby and Louie got a chance to decompress in Tampa, you know, while I was finishing their enclosure. But the night I brought Jasper and Penny home here, it was the first time they had ever touched solid ground wow so seeing them like creep out of their crates and like just so unsure because wow. all they had been used to was living you know four feet suspended off the ground in a four by four wire cage their whole life and then the next you know I, I have video of all this on um i think my instagram page and so the next day you know, I hear something going on out here and Penny had found a toy and she's just flipping it up in the air. She's pouncing around, um, you know, so moments like that are what make it all worth it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how, how old were they and how did you end up being able to rescue them? So I don't have any sort of communication with fur farmers. Uh, the woman in Minnesota has developed some sort of working relationship with them um, where if they're deemed undesirable and they're just going to kill them anyway, they kill them no matter what. I mean, make that perfectly clear. <laughs> they right. kill them no matter what, but if their fur is deemed not good enough, they'll just kill them. Okay. Um, so the woman in Minnesota I guess reaches out to the fur farmers every year and says, listen, you know, if you have any that you don't need. I mean, I honestly don't know the inner workings of it. Um, mm -hmm. but she has developed that relationship with them where he will release some to her. Um, so that's how that's done. I'm not sure that I could ever have a kind conversation <laughs> with a fur farmer. Um, but I'm grateful that you know, people can, I'm yeah. grateful that people can, I'll, I'll be happy to take them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just don't want to go get them because pro I'd probably cause a scene. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'd probably cause a scene. Yeah. 
because of scenes. Um, that relationship might be off, be off as soon as yeah. it started. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about rescue anyway. You know, everyone has a purpose. You know, her purpose is to do what she does. You know, my purpose right here, right now, today, and it could change at any time, is to care mm-hmm. for the animals that can be rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and you need everybody, right? Because yeah. to your point, if she wasn't able to do that and she wasn't able to maintain the relationship, you right. know, in a in a way that maintains it, that it wouldn't happen. So right. yeah, that's really incredible. And then it sounds like she maybe has kind of a network then of, of different people that she can then send the animals yeah. to. So basically in the last year, um, fox rescues have started to pop up all over the country, which is pretty amazing. There's quite a few here in Florida now. Um, a good friend of mine, Molly Schultz, runs Walking Wild Rescue in Ohio, and um, she just broke ground on a half-million-dollar fox barn that she'll be able to house, like, I think 65 foxes in. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, um, it's come a long way just in the last year and a half. For, mm-hmm. you know, people that are qualified, that's a big thing, too. You know, foxes are not like a dog, not like a cat. You know, you really need to know what you're doing and what their needs are to be able to house them. So the fact that so many qualified people have stepped up in the last year and a half, you know, I forget what the number was last year, but it was a lot. It was a double digit number of foxes that were able to be saved from photons. Wow. So, Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. It's like one, um, a good thing to come out of COVID maybe, you know, like different people having time or having, um, just priority shifts, things change. Like, yeah. Yeah. My friend Zach, he does, um, opera up in New York city. He's like, your pandemic project is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. My pandemic project was crazy and (laughs) unplanned, you know, totally unplanned. But I mean, left to my own devices, I tend to second guess myself and doubt myself. And when it was just like there and I need to make a decision, I just made the decision, you know, if I I overthink things, I probably missed out on a lot of great opportunities because I tend to overthink everything. (laughs) I, you know, I mean, I definitely relate. I think that's similar thing for so many of us, you know, and I, I, I was thinking, you know, as you were telling your story about how just like something I'm really passionate about learning more about is that like human animal bond and how it brings us all through their species and our species. And it, it really does, um, bring us down to that moment where we can't spend a whole lot of time thinking when a human and an animal are together. You just have to do and be present and, and follow whatever divine guidance is coming above all of us. Right. And yeah, it's, um, I think there's just so much to be said for that. And it's just, not that it's just starting to come into our consciousness or psyche, but I really do think it's becoming so much more mainstream, understood and known right. that there really is so much that can happen oh, yeah, um, absolutely. through that bond. I mean, you don't 
you know, when I developed the bond with the foxes in Key West, you know, it's not like I questioned her, like, are you sure you like me? Like, <laughs> you know, it's so different. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, you love me. You know? <laughs> right. but with people we're like mm, what's their motive uh, yes. what, you know so it's right. it's so it's so unique and it's so pure animals choose you to be their person you know these foxes like Libby and Louie I can't pet them I can't you know interact physically with them they aren't aggressive towards me but whatever they suffered whatever trauma they suffered, whatever humans did to them, they have not forgot, you know? So it's not about me. It's about me as a species. They just don't trust. And that's okay. I didn't save them or take them in. So they would be my best friends. You know, the point of rescue is to rescue and no expectations attached to that. So she's walking around right now. She's not horrified of me. She just, you know, she just wants me to keep my distance. And that's cool. I respect the boundaries. You know, I respect the boundaries. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I assume that animals that are rescued from fur farms, there's no chance of them ever being able to be trained to live in the wild or if you got them small enough. No, Mm -mm. no. So any, any wild animal that is captive bred, it is 100% illegal to release them into the wild for a number of reasons. Even though you got it as a baby, the instincts that have been passed down from generation, generation, generation of captive bred animals, not likely they would survive. Also, inbreeding genetic defects, they could potentially introduce that into wild populations. Um, And only... Two of my foxes have naturally occurring colors in the wild. So releasing an animal that isn't even a natural color, easy for predators to pick off. And then, you know, again, the breeding situation, it just wouldn't be so good. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so in reality for, for rescue to grow, it's not it. I mean, you need bigger and bigger and bigger space and more and more yeah. enclosures basically. Right, how long, right. how, uh, what's the average lifespan? Um, in the wild, it's only about three to five years just to, um, you know, disease or other predators, just natural three to five years is their life expectancy in captivity, 10 to 15 Oh, wow. Okay. With, yeah. Okay. With you okay. Know, proper diet, top of the line veterinary care that they get here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I was watching your documentary, Chasing Fur, which I think is so cool. And I want people to go check that out. It's really short. It's only like eight and a half minutes yeah. or something. Um, so people can go watch Chasing Fur on your website and learn a ton about the industry. Um, so I just wanted to kind of hit a quick highlight, which was to, a highlight to me, or I don't know if you want to call it a highlight, a learning, right. um, <laughs> is... In, in a lot of countries, fur is actually banned, but in the United States, it's kind of alive and well. There's yeah. 400 fur farms. That um, we know of because the USDA, which governs most of these fur farms, um, stopped reporting on them. Uh, they did not stop reporting per se. They go out and take um, – they have to get reported on how many animals were taken in, how many were killed for their fur, this, that, the other thing. 
but there's no um, there's no way for the public to monitor it. So they they protect the fur farmers uh, from retaliation, and very few federal statutes on to how these animals should be kept. Um, you know, foxes are not social as far as being real big pack animals, but their desire to hunt and forage and dig and play with their siblings when they're younger and mates during that season, um, that hasn't been bred out of them. So a lot of these foxes are psychologically just damaged. Damaged. How... So, you know, as humans, um, there are different things that we can do that kind of help us psychologically, you know, different things being studied all the time. Once they're out of that captivity, the ones that are rescued, do you see that they're able to heal some of those wounds? I know you'd you'd never be able to heal everything, but. Yeah. I mean, Libby and Louie early in the morning and late at night, they tear through their enclosure back and forth and back and forth. And I hear squeaking on balls and they're digging holes. So, I mean, it comes right back. It's not lost. It comes back for them for sure. Um, Jasper and Penny, Penny is in overall really great health. Jasper is five years old. So the reason he lasted so long on the fur farm is because they were using him as a breeder. Mm. And then as he got older, my vet assumes that his neurological issues started to present themselves more. So he just wouldn't breed anymore. So that's why they were going to kill him and Penny because Jasper wouldn't breed with Penny. So, um, so Jasper has more physical damage, uh, than emotional. Uh, he's very childlike because of his neurological issues. And then, uh, the two babies, I haven't even mentioned them yet. Coral and Reef, they are, because they were rescued at so young, only 10 days old, they don't know anything different than being loved. They know nothing different. So they have just been able to be foxes from day one. Obviously, they're, you know, here with me. They can't ever be released into the wild, but I don't limit what they can do. They've actually taken over everything because I don't limit what they can do. So uh, it's been really interesting to see the contrast of them being able to grow up being exactly who they were born to be as opposed Mm -hmm. to the four adults, you know, that missed out on childhood, basically. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be pretty, that's got to be pretty crazy to see. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's, it's just to be clear in our conversation and as everybody is listening, um, fur farms are very much alive and happening in the yeah. U.S. And it's not just foxes. There's no. other species of animals mink, as well. Mink is the top. Mink is the number one here in the United States. Mink farms. But they, you know, they have rabbit farms, chinchilla farms, bobcat, believe it or not. Um, yeah, any, anything that produces fur that people will buy... These people will farm them. And it's, and, and it's right. So it's because there's consumer demand. Yes. Um, so there are brands that are continuing to, to make things out of real fur and there's yeah. a consumer demand for it. And right. um, that, 
you know, I always like to hit on one simple idea in every interview I do. And I ask the people I'm interviewing, can you share one thing off the top of your mind that people could do today, right now to help animals or the environment within the realm that you work? And, you know, I think it's, it's obviously fighting, fighting this, this fur industry, but I wonder like what kind of um, tactical ideas can you give people that they can like jump in and start helping right now? I mean, there's campaigns going on right now to end Louis Vuitton, Dolce & Gabbana, and Eye of St. Laurent from stopping selling fur. Those are the three major ones that I know of right now, because in the last couple months, a lot of people have made the decision to go for free, meaning designers, um, you know, Canada Goose, Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, all they've all decided to drop the fur. Um, but Louis Vuitton is probably my, (laughs) (laughs) um, so obviously if people want to help, don't buy fur, but go one step further and don't even buy anything. You know, I know a lot of people love their Louis bags, but even if you buy that bag, you're continuing them to be able to make the sales to purchase the fur from the auctions that the fur farmers take their pelts to, which leads back to the animal suffering. So hold out on that Louis bag for Christmas this year and um, maybe they'll get the hint that it's just time to go fur free. Um, And there's so many other animals used in fashion right now. I could go way off on it. But since we're talking about fur, I'm going to stick with that. (laughs) Uh, So the easiest thing to do, even if you don't own fur, don't support the companies that sell it. Mm. I, yeah, that is, you know, that's a great idea because I think probably a lot of people don't even know that those companies are selling fur. I mean, I, I don't think I did. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not a high fashion person, but I, um, I did not, I think in my mind, I thought for the most part fur was gone except for maybe in China or something, you know, but I guess in my mind, I just kind of thought fur was gone at this point. Um, but it's, it's really not. And what's so hard about it is that it's such a cruel industry. It's not like, yeah, you know, it's not like ancient hunting where people used the fur to keep themselves alive in the middle of winter. You know, right. it's like right. this is a factory money making process yeah. at the expense of animals. Yeah, we're in 2021. Unless you're off the grid living off the land, which mm-hmm. most people aren't, you know, people that are buying fur are anything but. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, celebrities endorse it too and that's the big thing you know that people see Rihanna wearing the brand new neon fox fur coat that Louis Vuitton launched for their spring 2022 runway show all these people think it's amazing people see Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lopez wearing real fur in that movie Hustlers and she looks so gorgeous where can I get that coat so yeah it's the celebrities keeping it alive as well. It's, you know, everyday people that can afford to buy it and the celebrities that are just pushing Mm. it, pushing it. You can't tell me they don't know 
what it is. Right. I was going to say, you know, it's like maybe there's, I can't with the celebrities, I feel like you have to know. You have right. to know, but you, you probably just disconnect from it disconnect. in a way of yeah. you don't see it in your face. Right. So it's just kind of like. It's a total disconnect. You know, I always wish people could just, people meaning people that wear fur celebrities, would just come here and let Coral and Reef just climb all over them and run up to them. And then, you know, like how, you know. Yeah. And, and realize they're living beings, right? Because living I was just, beings. yeah. Cause I was thinking something so interesting, especially about foxes is that so many people have dogs and their dogs are yes. their family member and their, you know, their life. And, and they see all right. of the characteristics in the dogs, but then you go to an animal like a fox that is obviously different, but not that much, you know, right. not so it's drastic the, that you can't the see it. Family, right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And I see like your photos and your videos with your dogs sleeping in your, or not your dogs, the foxes, you know, they'll be in the bed or whatever. Yeah. And you can really see the personalities and, right. and yeah, I mean, so that, that's why you do this work, right? It's like, yeah. get, get the footage out there, get the information right. out there. So more and more people realize that these are living beings with personalities, with attitudes, with, you know, yeah. so much to them that there really is no reason why right. they no, should be raised no. for fur. No, no. <laughs> there's like, I can't, I can't think of one. <laughs> and that's, that's what's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. It's like, there's not really one outside of the commercial aspect of it. And, and, right. you know, a lot of things, it's not as, um, black and white, but you know, it's like this with this, it's very, just kind of, yeah. This yeah. Is very black and white. And you know, that's why I, I don't post gory stuff ever. I mean, I can point you in the right direction if you want to see gory stuff, but I, you know, my focus from day one has been to highlight all of their personalities and how amazing they are, how smart they are, how silly they are, you know, that, you know, it's not just a fur trim. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. And I, I think that is a way to reach new people that maybe, right. you know, because it is, um, I think a lot of people do shut off quickly, yeah. um, with the horrors that are the industry, which it's mind blowing. It really yeah. is mind blowing. Um, but yeah, I do think you're, you're able to reach people because it, they can get through that filter right. and see, oh, wow, they're so cute. They're so sweet. You know, right. And even um, people that care about the environment, you know, fur farms, they're horrible for the environment. You know, they use formaldehyde, chromium, and ammonia to preserve the pelts. Two of those have been proven to cause cancer. So the workers that make it are being exploited and exposed, you know, and the area surrounding the actual fur farms, that land is destroyed. All the waste runoff getting into the waterways. You know, it totally destroys ecosystems. Wow. So wow. it's everything. Like you can't, you can't <laughs> tell me one thing where I'm not going to have a comeback for it on this one because all the way around, it is just horrendous. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So people can support you in a lot of different ways. I know yeah. right now um, you have a fundraiser going on. I do. But you can... Yeah. So tell us about the fundraiser and then about the other ways that people can support your work. 
So the fundraiser is, I mean, all these guys have huge enclosures, but I want to tear down Jasper and Penny's current enclosure and build them a brand new one that connects to Coral and Reef's enclosure because Penny is obsessed with being their mom and she screams all day and all night about it. So <laughs> I want to give her access to them where I don't have to like, catch her and take her over there because that's stressful for everyone. So I want them to have something taller, wider, and connects right to the babies, which will essentially give everyone 500 square foot of room. So that's, yeah. that's amazing. And I mean, how awesome too, that she is immediately kicking into like a motherly instinct of sorts. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. She's crazy about it. <laughs> she is wild. It's so interesting to watch. I feel bad for her, but um, so that that's why I'm trying to get this funded so I can give her that experience. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, I guess she could be a mom. That's awesome. <laughs> she might not want it once she makes right face, but just in case. <laughs> So, right for sure yeah. um and then you can also sponsor a fox yeah, um sponsor a fox everything is uh right on my website that's the easiest place for people to go because from there you can get to facebook instagram but yeah there's a fox sponsorship section anything from as little as five dollars a month up to 75 for a primary fox sponsor which helps with a lot of their monthly um care around here and then list people love sending you know gifts to the foxes and amazon smile you can choose us to be your charity and that that actually helps a lot too i mean it's a small percentage but it's something coming in every month so yeah yeah i'm sure like every little bit helps every little bit yeah. helps um yeah it's probably about $700 a month just to feed them. Okay. Cause okay. they get, um, really high quality raw meat. The adults do. And then the babies are on a more specific diet for right now. And then unexpected vet bills are always my favorite. <laughs> so yeah, every little thing helps. I always say on my post, like literally every dollar helps because if everyone that saw it donated a dollar, It'd be wild, you know? Right, so. right, right. And it's, um, I think if you're listening or watching and you're feeling that passion, like, you know, even um, go watch the Chasing Fur documentary, share this interview, share the other interviews that Nicole's done, you know, sponsor, help, even if it's a dollar. I mean, I think yeah. that's, um, that's amazing because I, there's something about that little bit of action, I think, that just makes it yeah. stick in your head a little longer. Right. And then come up in conversation. Talk about this, too. Talk about it with your yeah. friends. Like, talk about the fact that fur is still alive and, like, how to not. One more question. Yeah. Um, you have brands that are faux fur yeah. brands that are awesome that you yeah. love. Can you share share those? So my, well, Spirit Hoods. They're, they have been amazing from day one. You know, I reached out to them last year um, and one thing led to another. Everything was still kind of crazy because of COVID. But once we got in sync with each other, 
they're amazing. Their products are amazing and they're fun. You know, so if you like the look of fur, like no one judges you for that. Just don't wear the real thing. Um, but Spirit Hoods, you know, has funky neon colors and they have hoods and blankets, which Coral and Reef sleep on their faux fur blanket all the time. Um, yeah, Spirit Hoods would be my number one suggestion if you're looking for something fun. And they actually give a percentage of their sales to endangered species organizations. So, yeah, they would be my number one suggestion looking for a faux fur brand. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I'll link to them in the notes. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, my website. Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, Facebook, Instagram, this, that. But like, if you, I, I just direct everyone to the website. And there's a contact form on there, and it comes straight to my email. I'm the only one here. I'm a one-woman show, so I get everything. It's not going to get lost. So how are you feeling after that episode? I am so fired up. I am ready to get out there and shout to the world, fur farms are still alive. Help stop it. Stop it. Make sure you don't buy any fur. Make it end. Honestly, this episode was a massive wake-up call for me. I really did not know that fur farms were thriving so much. And I am so passionate about helping Nicole spread the word. So please, Hubbells as well, if you're feeling fired up by this, boycott the brands. Share the episode. I'll be posting it on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn over the next week or two. All you have to do is click reshare or repin or whatever you have to do to share it on those episodes. If you want to just flat out share it yourself, you can share the link for animalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 56. Please go visit Nicole's website. It's at positivebeginnings.org. Positive is spelled super cute, P-A-W, like a paw. S-I-T-I-V-E. So positivebeginnings.org. You can donate to her there. You can watch her Chasing Fur documentary. There are so many easy, simple, tactical things we can do around this topic. And I'm just so fired up. I hope you're fired up with me. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new around here, please click follow or subscribe depending on what platform you're listening to. And if you have a second and you can leave us a review, it is so incredibly helpful. I cannot wait to connect with you again next week on another topic with so much interesting, simple stuff that we can do. I will see you soon. Bye.